What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Greetings, you've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. That's right. He said it. Voxbone.com are providing our local rate dial-ins. You are thousands to be joining via those local rate dial-ins. And we don't make a dime on that. This is VUC 527, I hope. Uh, Cam twist is broken, so I can't show you my slides. So I can't... uh, Put the version numbers on, but here we are. We're going to be talking about uh, the 2015 preview of Tad Hack, and we're honored to have with us once again Mr. Alan Quayle, not Anthony Quayle because he couldn't make it today, <laughs> but Alan's with us. Hey, Alan. Hey, Randy. Thanks so much for uh, letting me on your uh, show. So uh, I guess I'll give a quick rundown, guys. If you want to jump in at any point to uh, add color or ask questions, just do it. What I thought I'd do, Randy, is maybe kick off just with a little bit of background as to how we got to where we are. So uh, any uh, people who don't know about Tad Hack, Tad Summit, get a little bit of uh, background. So it actually started under two years ago now. It was back in May 2013. I had a number of conversations with uh, suppliers, with developers, with telcos. And it was the same conversation each time, bemoaning the fact that we really lacked an ecosystem, lacked a sort of a a cooperative environment on you know, basically just letting people know, developers know, uh, businesses know about the power of adding communications uh, to your apps, to your services, to your business processes. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, we've got you know, great you know, innovations coming from the likes of Uber, Airbnb. They're adding those capabilities in and making billion-dollar businesses. But guess what? You know, that what they're doing applies to every business, to every uh, app that's out there. And also there's been some changes in the market. I mean, with Nexmo, Tropo, Appadays, Tynetech, the Rescom uh, from uh, sort of uh, Telestack, Senate Mobile, of course, you know, all the big guys, you know, the Oracle, Ericsson, Huawei, Converse is off this world. They've all made telecom capabilities programmable. They made it easier to uh, be able to sort of, of course, let's not forget uh, you know, critical technology of uh, WebRTC. So we've got like the technology shifting, the business shifting, and you know, sort of you know, focus, uh, sort of a, a community cooperative open model. Uh, so that's really the sort of background. And what we did in November 
of 2013. Uh, of all the places in the world we could have done something, we went to Bangkok. The reason, uh, the reason was because there's quite a few people that were already going to be in Bangkok in November. Uh, we had developers from around the region, uh, technology providers, telcos, and we asked the question, does it make sense that we do something to try and build an ecosystem, to try and build some awareness around these capabilities? So uh, a resounding answer from that was uh, yes, and uh, Jose, who's on the call there, all, uh, he, he said, look, let, we should do a hackathon. So uh, basically, uh, we did. So uh, last year, we ran a TAD hack in... Uh, and we thought initially, well, we'll do something in uh, Madrid, uh, central, so, uh, and we allowed remote entry as well. So it wasn't just uh, doing it in one particular location. But what ha happened is we ended up <clears throat> running in Chicago, of course, in Madrid, Sri Lanka, KL, uh, and Pune in India. So it ended up being far bigger than we anticipated. We had 700 registrations. About 500 uh, people uh, on the uh, day turned up, and we had about just over 60 hacks. So it really was uh, an amazing event. And TED Hack is solidly focused on technology creativity. When bringing in marketing, or business, or any of that stuff, that's for another event that we run called TED Summit, and that's in November. So TED Hack is square on uh, looking at what we can do with these platforms uh, and helping developers of uh, all types be able to use them. And out of that event, we had a whole range of different successes. Uh, a company was formed, Estrogen. Uh, basically, uh, they were a runner-up in TEDx Sri Lanka, and one of the uh, produced achieved quite impressive results uh, for dialogue uh, in Sri Lanka. They got a big uh, round of investment and have been building up a whole range of interest uh, from that. Uh, I think, again, to you know, the fact that it's an open approach, uh, so we've got lots of platforms there. Um, I think uh, Tim Pan and uh, his hack fragment. I think was, was you know I think one of the highlights. And also the weblog that uh, Tim did uh, last month were paired very accurately what fragment was and the capabilities in demonstrating what you could do with WebRTC and what AT&T did. I think uh, the importance of taking that uh, open approach. My mobile university, those guys, uh, uh, they were in um, TEDAC in KL. Uh, again, capabilities to help educate people uh, in remote uh, communities. Again, great uh, success there. Uh, IP Cortex, uh, those guys, of course, were on the Google uh, with the RTC emergency, and they've been sort of using that to help grow their business. We had um, Fairwaves, they worked with Inclaxelent Hack Fairshare, and they've been taking that round and helping build their business uh, in Africa. So uh, again, seeing lots of successes. And just to highlight another one, uh, Kwende, who um, he's, was one of the, uh, uh, he actually won the uh, one of the Google prizes uh, with his team. He was only 18 years old. Uh, uh, shortly after, about being a developer and his experiences. And that actually, uh, it was in Spanish, but it achieved the uh, number one uh, position in the business. So I'll just highlight just a few of the developer successes that came out of uh, Tad Really, with what we're trying to do is show all the cool things that you can do with communications, developers be successful. So that's what we did with uh, Tad Hack last year. Then, uh, of course, we ran Tad Summit in November in Istanbul. We had around 200 innovators coming together, and uh, everything is online. So if you go to uh, tadsummit.com, 
you can uh, see what happened there. And across both TED Hack Summit, uh, everything's on YouTube, so you can see all the content there. We've had over 50,000 minutes of viewing over 13,000 views. So I know this is small numbers, all the viral sort of uh, uh, popular stuff, but for this weird niche in uh, telecoms, it's uh, you know, it, it's good numbers. It shows that we're, we're you know, sort of helping sort of uh, move the industry forward. So that's the history. So I apologize to spend that time just to go through the history, but that hopefully for what we're going to do this year. So for 2015, we have the June event. Uh, that's going to be on the 13th and the 14th. Of, we're uh, going to have a number of uh, keynotes. Uh, we're uh, lining up the likes of Heng Shulren. Um, he's from Columbia University, was ex-CTO for FCC. Uh, of course, RTC guru. So we're looking forward to uh, his uh, keynotes. And we're going to have a whole host more. Just to give you a round, of course, we have remote entry. So you don't have to be physically there. You can still take part from uh, comfort to your own home. But we'll have uh, centers. Most probably, we'll sort of have the, the main in Lisbon because we've been getting great support from Truephone. They've got a big development center uh, in Lisbon. And also, Portugal Telecom have been really supportive. So uh, we'll have a center. Uh, the Illinois Institute of Technology, their real time communications labs, they'll be running a location in Chicago. We still might do something in Madrid uh, with the universities there. They may, have, they may be supporting us. UCL are very supportive, and we'll have a location in London at uh, Idea London. We've sites in Krakow, in Berlin, in Israel, Sri Lanka, of course, uh, and also uh, Ruby in uh, Bangladesh. So we'll have uh, Tag Bangladesh. Australia, fingers crossed, we can get something there. Singapore and uh, Bangalore. So it's going to be bigger. We're anticipating you know, well over a 1,000 registrations. It's going to be very exciting. Some uh, you know, we're, we're, shall we say February is the month we're trying to close all the locations. So hopefully by the end of February, we'll have all that. So that hopefully gives you what we're trying to do for June. But we also have a couple of tag minis. So we've got an April event that's running on the 11th and 12th in London. That's going to be at Idea London, and that's TATAC WebRTC London. So we're doing that associated with WebRTC Global Summit. The sponsors for that at the moment are Google, Matrix.org, Truphone, UCL, Apidays, Telestack. So all those guys are making it possible. We're hoping to get a couple more involved. So it'll be between, well, we've got 6,000 in prize money. We're hoping to get it up to maybe sort of eight to 10,000 that we'll be able to allocate. Uh, again, just go to tadhack.com, and then you can basically click through to uh, see uh, the event schedule up. We're getting the developer resources uploaded. We're into double figures already for registrations for uh, the uh, London events, and uh, some nice chatter YouTube, not sorry YouTube on Twitter, <laughs> uh, on uh, some of the people that are registering and stuff that they're doing there. Alan? Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, would you mind going for coffee? Because I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to call on Mr. James Bodie, a <laughs> character witness who will has experienced uh, some of the events and he can unless you you want to uh, go do go to first. I think it'd be great to hear from people. We got we got uh, Jose's with us and um, Tim. I don't know if Tim's ever he must have been to one. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's go for I know he's the well, king he's of been to dangerous one. He's the winner. Go ahead, James. Let, let me hear from you. Uh, okay. You're the expert witness. Go ahead. Okay, Tad Hack uh, last year. 
um, was a bit of a, an eye-opener, in fact. Um, we knew it was going to be busy. We had no idea how uh, reaction the, the developer community was going to, to give us. Um, and I ended up being very, very worried. As one of the judges at the hacks, we are faced with this this problem of having to judge all of these entries. I mean, when we started, we were expecting, what, 100 registrations, 120, and have over 600 in the end? Yeah, it was nearly 700 registrations in the end. Yeah, so uh, wear and tear on judges was uh, considerable. But we, we managed to uh, come up with a, a scheme whereby everybody got judged, and we had some excellent entries. Um, and uh, and managed many prizes in total, was it? It was... Um, just uh, it was thirty. It was thirty prizes. Yeah. Thirty prizes. Yeah. I mean, that's not including some of the local events had more prizes. I, that's a good question. In terms of total prizes, yeah, it must have been between sort of uh, forty or fifty in total. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that really blew the uh, the 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 diversity of the different uh, entries. Um, some of them were extremely imaginative. Uh, one of the uh, the prize winners, the uh, the true phone. True phone gave two prizes. One of the prize winners was uh, the indomitable one and only Tim Panton, who is with us here on the film strip. And uh, Tim managed to come up with uh, a web RTC-based um, system whereby people who have damaged packs can return them. Uh, having validated the fact that they are the right package and that they are in fact damaged using WebRTC, and he even managed to work in a true phone sim, which enhanced his uh, his uh, his winning uh, potential. So we did that. Anyway, moving forward, um, we also did um, TAD Summit, um, what three months ago in mm -hmm. Istanbul, and again uh, a completely different feel for that. That was focused on the people who build. Uh, applic forms and operators who want to employ them. I think it's becoming very clear now that with um, the old-fashioned core revenues in major, the mobile network operators have to go out. They have to find new and exciting uh, ways of generating revenue. And the telecoms application development area is, uh, is an excellent way of um, keeping your customers happy and at the same time generating revenue. And that was demonstrated. Um, less, the big um, byline that came out of TAD Summit was, it's not about minutes. So minutes, terribly passe. And uh, you, if you own minutes only for your revenue generation, you're going to die. You've got to um, look to look to the skies, look to your applications in order to revenue. Exactly. And it, was, it was great that we could have so many people from around the world sharing their experiences, like dialogue. Uh, we're showing idea marks, and they're generating now you know, more revenue uh, with uh, the services in IdeaMart than the rest of the bands. The only other value-added service that's generating more revenue is back up. And, of course, the growth is in uh, the uh, IdeaMart services. So I think that was great proof point, and we're seeing that replicated in other telcos as well. It was just great to see innovators showing real business results. And that was, you know, for me, I think a real highlight that came out of uh, TAD Summit. And you're right. It was great to have, like, Carisio for as the Arte Group, uh, but also having uh, James Tag there, and also having sort of, like, some of the over-the-top players. Uh, we had Refring. And they were all saying the same thing in terms of guys. We've got to focus on service. Yeah, completely so independently. I mean, yes. no script, yeah, but yeah. They, the 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 came out loud and clear. This is the future. Yeah. Uh, oh, the other thing at Tad Summit was, of course, we 
having uh, gone through a, a, the the TAD hack uh, experience, we decided that um, if you're going to sell these things, um, the only way to sell them is to demonstrate live platform. Yeah. So we decided, this is true, phone. we decided to get together with a number of other people, um, in particular Canonical, uh, Metaswitch, Telestar. Uh, we, we formed a little cooperative and put together a live demonstration um, with a cloud-based mobile network operator with application on it. And that went down rather well, didn't it? <laughs> it was impressive. I mean, it was, as you say, a dangerous demo. There was uh, you know, it, all that open source software getting spun up, provisions on Amazon for it to work in the first place. So, I mean, the whole provisioning, I mean, there was nothing there. And then with the mid up, you've got the app on there. And then for you know to have people in the audience making those votes and then to see basically the uh, details uh, popping up, uh, the information you can get on people from the SS7 network. Again, that was great to see that. So uh, I think mean, it was uh, impressive. And it built on what we did at uh, TechHack. Because at TadHack, we end a little IMS Minutes demo, uh, which was just you know, the uh, canonical folks have been working with Metaswitch folks just to show it, uh, and with folks just to show how you can basically spin it up relatively quickly just using their uh, open source software and also where uh, the DevOps uh, capabilities with Juju Chance. That was you know, you know um, just a last minute thing that we just sort of put together, and it's actually turned out to be one of the most popular. Uh, videos uh, on the YouTube uh, site for and then we built on that to create the great demo that uh, brought in Truefone and showed it all spinning up, running a live network for real, which was really cool. Yeah, and take a little bit further. Sorry, taking a little bit further. We're we're extending the demo. We're going to uh, show the next stage in the evolution at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. So yeah. uh, we've got uh, different applications. We've been joined by HSENIT, our good friends from cool. Sri Lanka. And uh, we're even tacking on the end a bit of radio access network uh, uh, being provided by our Russian friends from Fairwaves. Excellent. Um, and uh, it's interesting. We've got Jose on the on on the uh, call here. So we we should be doing something with um, with Tropo as well. Plug a bit of Tropo in there too. Yeah, hopefully Absolutely. so. One of the one of the, uh, the big lessons we're we're trying to 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 show here is how quickly we can deploy this. Um, uh, one of the things we're doing for Mobile World Congress is HSENID are running a, a hackathon in, in Sri Lanka about two weeks before Mobile World Congress. And what we're going to do is we're going to take some that hackathon and deploy their applications on our cloud-based mobile network for Mobile World Congress. So in about a week thing round, deploy it and then have people you know, interacting live on the network with, with these applications. And yeah, I, I cool. challenge anybody else, any other mobile network operator to turn around application deployment as quickly as that. I agree. And we have to, I mean, that's, you have to move. I mean, you need to be able to, because it's not the big wins of like voice SMS, it's going to be lots of uh, little wins. And that requires a different model for just getting stuff out there in front of customers. So yeah, it's a, it's a great demonstration. Yes. And you know, we're lucky. We've actually got James Tag on the call with us today. I don't know what, James, do you want to say a few words about um, TAD, Hack, TAD Summit, and Mobile World Congress? You have to unmute. He must be close, because I can hear him without unmuting. Gosh, the, the use of telecommunication systems. Am I on? Yes, you are. 
cool. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's a great event, right? Because uh, you get some of the best developers from around the world all coming together to, uh, to show skill and to share uh, various different um, abilities. And, I mean, I get to do keynote speeches, which is extremely... Uh, I quite like doing them and try and come up with some new slant on the way the world works each time. Um, so, yeah, so we, we've done some quite demonstrations at them and pulled together a team that will we'll go off and do this Mobile World Congress uh, work that we're uh, about to sort of do. Um, and I look forward to going to the next uh, next events. So, cool. yeah. I, I void for a second here. I... Um, <laughs> Don't think we should neglect, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is obvious, it certainly is for people who have come, gone to these events, but there's a huge, so and in the early days of, um, dare I say, VoIP, which is kind of not really what we're talking about anymore, but sort of is, yeah. um, I had a lot of trouble who, you know, ignored that social thing, and let's face it, a lot of geeky people are really not into, the, oh, well, hanging out, but in the, in the end, I mean, that's a lot of what's happening uh, that makes sense, because you, as you are in contact with people live, it's a huge difference when you want to call somebody or, I mean, d compared to, or even these hangouts, which are terrific. But I mean, we, most of us know each other and have met in person. I think, in fact, there's no exceptions to that. I've met every one of yeah. you in person. And it's, it's a huge, I'm, I'm really. Me. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Who was that? Yeah. Let's hear from you. Oh, uh, the mystery voice. Okay, well then we well, haven't met you, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. no, but absolutely, Randy. I think um, you know one of the one of the great things in uh, we were in uh, at a Tad Hacks was um, we ended up partnering up with the Fairwaves guy. I actually joined. Uh, I was a judge, so I couldn't officially participate. But uh, you know, I went here and there to uh, the Fairwaves guys, and I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know. I live in San Francisco. I go to a lot of developer events, and uh, one thing that's clear, um, you know, hard hardware is you know greater than, greater than, greater than software now. I mean, people love playing with hardware if you can touch it and feel it. And, uh, and of course, um, that's what's so great about doing this thing with the Fairwaves guys. For those of you who don't know them, I mean, they have a portable mobile network um, that just sits in a box and it has a ring out of it, and it brings a level of reality to this capability that we all take for granted. You know, you pull your phone out and at long distances, um, but to see the box and have people huddle around it, um, you know, in this case, it was actually a, a bit of a altruistic hack that we did. We um, designed to be a, a, a mobile network that you can drop ship into a devastated area um, in, you know, third world country or something and basically provide uh, uplink for, uh, you know, people needing to be connected. Uh, but also also internal communications uh, between a town. Um, so you can, you know, drop ship a mobile network and a handful of kind of uh, candy bars and um, allow them to be connected. Um, and of course, we put a bunch of apps into the network so they can check on things like, you know, is there water in the well today? Um, uh, or uh, also be able to kind of queue up behind each other to make calls out, you know, because we only had a couple channels out to the PSDN. Um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty great. Uh, uh, but just going back to the hardware thing, you know, I was sitting there hacking on the app, and, of course, people would pass by and not think twice about what I was working on. But the second we busted out the box, there were huge crowds forming around it. And I think um, the more we can do as an industry to bring in kind of the electrical engineering side and kind of the radio and, um 
you know, because TADS isn't just about hacking apps and services, right? I mean, I think it's quite possible that the next generation radio could come out of the next TAD hacks. Um, you know, just some electrical engineering student that's just curious about why things work the way they do and ends up taking home a, a Fairwaves kit and ends up developing some new new uh, type of radio, right? So, I mean, that's Exactly. That's, that's cool. the key. It's, it's that mashing up of ideas. You know, because at the um, you know, uh, WebRTC Paris event, they had a uh, where they were looking at how you can use uh, WebRTC uh, with the uh, little parrot, you know, uh, sort of uh, uh, sort of devices. And uh, Tim, I think uh, there you go. Yay! <laughs> the parrot. Go on, give us a quick rundown of what you did. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, actually, don't don't take. Uh, it wasn't really Neil Stratford did most of the work. Um, but what we did was uh, the challenge was to to control one of these things remotely over WebRTC, and um, and they they ran in Paris in December. But uh, but nobody managed it, and they so they reissued the challenge for January. And uh, Neil and I were a little less busy, and decided that it would be fun to play with it. So we built this um, this hack that allows you to remotely drive this thing around my my office floor. Um, but I mean, you might think there's like kind of pointless, but actually things like remote inspection, being able to control those things accurately and with low latency from far away, might might actually be of some use and and as Joe will testify it was actually quite fun to play with as well <laughs> so um, but I mean going back to the thing about meeting people at Tadhack I have to say that, that actually it, um, I mean I I ended up borrowing a phone from uh, from um, Mark Shuttleworth by accident I didn't actually know didn't who know. he was and um, so what? sitting next to him and he lent me uh, lent me lent me his uh, Ubuntu phone that was kind of weird kind of weird yeah, absolutely. It's just bringing together so many different, diverse uh, groups of people together. I think it's uh, yeah. and it is it's having a physical meeting, but also I'm getting echoed. Yeah, and it's unfortunately it's Mr. Bodie, I believe. Go ahead. Oh, Sorry. okay. There you go. Yeah, I think you know that point. It's all groups, uh, and also trying to bring from around the globe. Because uh, you know, I think that was one of the nice things that we had is uh, in allocating the global prizes. Tad Hack uh, Sri Lanka, they actually won one of the uh, global prizes. It was the Salome's guys. So uh, I think it's really nice that we can sort of you know, get developers to sort of you know, share their ideas, share their experiences from lots of different sort of cultures, but also with environments as well. So uh, definitely that's something that we're sort of trying to uh, push more and more. Uh, of course, uh, Neil, uh, and I'm hoping Tim will be uh, joining us for uh, TATAC WebRTC in uh, London on the uh, 11th and 12th. So that, that'll be really good fun. Yeah, on that, on that subject, Alan, and I have to say I'm really looking forward to it. Um, if it's anything like as good as the last one, then uh, it will be. Um, how many registrations have you got uh, for that so far? And how many can you accept? Yeah, <laughs> Ron. We're up. Well, we're up to fifteen, uh, maybe eighteen. There's, I haven't checked my email. They're coming in, you know, sort of uh, thick and fast. We're running it at Near um, London now. We we've got they've got like the basement, uh, which can hold like a hundred people standing. But you know, for tables sitting down, it's most probably more like sort of. 50. And then there's a, a cafeteria upstairs as well. So. I, I, I'm hoping we'll get around the sort of 50, you know, uh, 60 mark, but we could most squeeze it up if we use upstairs as well to the sort of you know, 80 to 100. But that, I think, we're, we're unlikely to get that many. Uh, my view is, you know, between 40 to 50, uh, and what will be the uh, aim. 
And uh, we, you know, as I said, we've got uh, Google on board, so Sam Dutton will be there. Uh, we've got uh, Matrix, so Matthew will be there. And I have to admit, um, Matt did a, a great, he was basically uh, doing a demo uh, of, uh, again, showing basically uh, a drone control. And uh, he was hacking live during his demonstration. And of course, you, you know how it is, you're talking uh, and you ha you're sort of coding at the same time, mistake after mistake after mistake. But it was impressive to see him, you know, in real time, finally get it all worked out and to be able to shield the control. So, uh, you know, it, I look forward to uh, uh, what uh, Matt will be doing there. We've got, of course, uh, Truphone, UCL, uh, so we'll be getting some of the UCL students involved as well. Uh, so again, diversity of people that are new to the area, as well as uh, bringing in uh, a lot of you know, highly experienced people. Uh, and we'll have Apidays, uh, Telestacks there as well, and we'll get a, a few more. And it's good because the winners and the runners-up will be able to get to uh, present uh, pitch at the Global Web RTC Summit. So it's not just you know, winning the prize, you know, prize and getting the promotion at a little sort of TED Hack mini event. They'll also get a chance to present at a global conference to be able to hopefully, you know, and, you know, let's, imagine, you know let's face it, if you're a UCL student and you get a runners-up prize and then you get a chance to uh, pitch at a global event, it you know, doesn't do your uh, CV. Any and then one thing, Randy, uh, I just wanted to mention is and that we have a mini event uh, in uh, Chicago. So that'll be associated with uh, the Illinois Institute of Technology's uh, Real-Time Communications Conference. Uh, that will be focusing on IoT, where next generation 911, so hacking on that. Uh, as well as uh, you know, WebRTC will be a big component of this as well. And then we'll be wrapping up this year in on the 17th and the 18th of November, where we'll have the uh, TAD Summit. And I'm hoping by then we'll have some very, very interesting, interesting announcements and uh, many of the players involved. James, do you want okay. to say something? Actually, yeah, yeah, that's news. So, so we're actually going firm on Lisbon for TAD Summit. Yes. Yes. New news. So uh, that's very interesting. And... A good location for us. like that a lot. Super. Cool. Okay. Excellent, Randy. Who else is on the to speak about uh, TED uh, Hack and TED, TED Summit? Either one before we go. Oh, Jose's gone. I was going to, uh, yeah. before Jose went, I was going to point out that he had a son, oh. Miles, last month. Wow. Oh, well. Seems like he he's only a young man himself. But that's, that's why he had to leave. He said the baby was awake and okay. called away. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. So that's an another one to join Emil. Emil version two. Yes, there you go. Uh, let's see, had one as well. So I think, I think one of the things, one of the things that, um, coming back to Tadhack, just very briefly, that would be nice to try and do would be to get to start out from the user case, what it is that users want from it, um, yeah. and then work back to how that can be done on the network, how that best works. Um, you know, obviously we want to try and create value for, for everybody, and that includes the operators. But I think there's, there's traditionally until often too much focus on on the network and the network's assets and trying to utilize yeah. those without actually really caring about whether the users want the result or not. Yeah. And, um, and that fiascos of things like RCS and, and all those <laughs> things. So I'm really, really keen. I mean, I, I, you know, we managed that at the TADHack I went to. I didn't make it to Istanbul. But, but you know, I think it's really keen. I'm really keen people carry on doing that. And I, I want to make sure that, you know, any kind of web developers who accidentally stumble in uh, feel that uh, that is the focus and that it's yeah. actually about trying to get things for users, done for users, things achieved for users. And if that makes money on the in the process, that's hugely better. But exactly. um, but not 
you know, not really, it's not really focusing on the network. This one, I think right. Tad Summit somewhat does more, but, but the hack is really yeah. about the users, hopefully. Exactly, exactly. I agree. I think that we, we do need to keep sort of driving that uh, point home. And, you know, maybe a uh, web blog about that for, on the Tad Hack web blog in running up to uh, the uh, London event, Tim. I'm not sure you want one of my rants, Alan. <laughs> hey, you, when you did your uh, one, uh, you know, in January, I was quoting it <laughs> quite frequently because it was an excellent web blog. Well, thank you. That's very kind. But as I say, I'm not, not necessarily what people want to hear often. But uh, there you go. <laughs> oh well, the truth—it's a hard thing. What can I say? Okay, Alan, thanks uh, a lot. We're looking forward no to getting together with you multiple times this year. I hope these. Let me just say this one thing: unsolicited, totally honest. Alan's events are among the absolute best of the industry. They really are good. They're just the right size, and they're—you're such a good organizer. I'm sorry, I don't. Wow. Brilliant. Madrid was absolutely fantastic. Probably the best thing I've ever been to. Well, it's not just me. There's a team behind me. Of so course. it's Karen, Inti, the people make it possible. Okay. And with that Thank segue, you, uh, oh, well, wait a minute. This goes to what James was saying. Look to the skies. Keep watching skies. And in the skies, James is going to introduce our brand new, wait a minute, wait for it, wait for it. The book giveaway, the BUC book giveaway. Okay. Wonderful. And, and we're both live. Well, well, I think everybody knows we're both live at the same time. James, you sound like Citizen Band there. Can you, can we? <laughs> Good buddy. Yeah, I think everybody knows James Tag by okay. now, but uh, many of you may not know he's written a book. And uh, this is a project that's, taken place over a number of years. It's not something that you just kind of write off the top. It's a brilliant, brilliant and extremely clever piece of work uh, and focuses on, amongst others, the work of um, Turing. But uh, anyway, let's let, well, let's let, let James talk about his book and uh, we've got a copy or two to give away to parties. So James, t tell us about your book. Okay. Uh, th thank you very much, James. Um, uh, so, yes, I wrote a book and, um, called Are the Androids Dreaming Yet? And really, uh, it's about um, are human beings wet computers, right? Are we just machines? And over a period of time, uh, computers are going to get more and more powerful. Eventually, they're going to overtake us. And we're just going to be, as, as Wozniak said, uh, like a pet. We're just going to be a sort of like a pet um, to our artificially intelligent computers. And so I, you know, I spent quite a lot of time you know, researching into it. And really, there are, there are three things that we do that are sort of different to other people. Uh, there's communication, there's creativity, and there's the fact that we sort of exhibit free will. So on the, the idea of communication earlier, and that was really the starting point for, for writing the book, I, had, I mean, I thought I would stop reading books and I'd write a book. And I found that in the project, you actually read about two or 3,000 books and papers from other people. And so it was that question that you asked earlier, which is, why do we go and see each other? Why do we meet in person? If, if um, communications is just the matter of the conveying bits and bytes, uh, why wouldn't we just write it down and fax it? Uh, Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev have to meet in a summit uh, to discuss world peace. Why can't they just fax each other? Why don't we just kind of get rid of all our nuclear weapons? Yeah, that sounds on. And so uh, I went through kind of that process. Oh, James was kind of, yeah. Um, so I went through that process, and then I got very interested in the science behind how the brain works and how information works. 
Uh, and so I ended off in a long trek through uh, Alan Turing and all of his and then you really come to think called the Wiles paradox, which is, um, so Turing said there are things you can't do with a computer. There's the halting problem, you can't solve. And one of the things that was eventually proven you couldn't do is automatically finding a solution to Fermat's last theorem. You can't, there's no algorithm that will do that. And then Andrew Wiles pops up, solves Fermat's last theorem. So that must mean that Andrew Wiles is not a computer, mustn't it? Right? And unfortunately, there's one, and that's uh, Daniel Dennett. So Daniel Dennett says, ah, no, the universe is one single computer, right? And effectively, general purpose computer is a special purpose computer, and it always knew the solution to that problem. And so the dots that flew off his dot matrix printer and hit the paper to write out this, they are just the automatic expansion of some information that begin, uh, exists in the universe at the Big Bang. So we live in a clockwork universe, and that is. And I don't feel that's right. I feel that, that we have free will. So my final bit of the book is looking at uh, Conway Koshin and their um, exam free will theorem, right? Is our universe something that, that has free will in it or was it all baked at the Big Bang? And so, that, that's, um, so that's the book. And uh, let me, I, I did a calculation a little while back uh, as a response to a Forbes blog. And so let, let me give you a question and the person the answer. Uh, gets a book. So IBM created IBM a chip called Synapse, Synapse, right? And Synapse uh, is a, about a million simulated synapses in it. Each synapse is a hundred before, before you continue, how, how do people reply? How do we know who's replying first? Oh, that's well, a good question. Or on IRC, we'll monitor both. Voice or okay, well, IRC. IRC. I gotta log in. Well, you can just shout it out. <laughs> that's going to be a little confusing, although... Is that is going to be a complete mess? Yeah, I, I think, uh, Carl, you need to run and sign... Don't walk. Just run and sign in, too. <laughs> well, we need one of the famous tree phone uh, voting apps for this. Mm -hmm. Ah, we should have done a hackathon live. Yep. So someone like Ben Klang should have made a hackathon kind of so we did this so that we could people would vote. And at the end here, we should have gone live with it. Or even Tim Panton. Or Tim, yes. We have a competition between the two of them. Okay, yeah, so that, the question. We know how that always turns out. Klang, oh. Klang wins. No. Oh. <laughs> so... So uh, is everyone ready to answer the question? No, not yet. One moment. Oh, still right. One hold moment. Hold, hold on. Hold on. You can you can you can go without me. I'm... So the so the the book is available on Amazon.co.uk. Is it worldwide or not yet? Yeah, worldwide. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. You, so you can get it on Amazon.com you know, and and you can buy it anywhere in Europe as well. And it's an iBooks in the Apple iBooks version. It's interactive, so Ooh. all the videos are live. You click on them, you go through the Conway Cotion. Um, the Cotion Specker Cube spins. Uh, if you go into to see, you know, the first of artificial intelligent program written for computer, I actually put it in as a widget, so you can actually talk to the computer in the book and sort of see. So I, the iBooks experience fun and, and was quite a lot of work, which I didn't necessarily anticipate. But <laughs> I warn you, it's five years to write a book. Oh. Of you know, it's at four or four hours of work. Okay, well, Mr. Fife is Mr. Fife is now He's in ready. IRC. He's ready. So. Uh... Okay, so the question is this, right? So uh, IBM created a thing called Synapse, which is a chip that tries to simulate the human brain, make makes uh, artificial neurons. In Moore's law. So we're 2014 now, right? How long will it be? What on what year in the future will Synapse the same processing power as the human brain? Now, that assumes that its model human brain is correct, i.e. it's just 
uh, a neuron with N gates, and if you simulate them, I think they, they assume that there's 200 different levels of, of kind of excitation. How, how long so before high? Sorry, I think I, I, think I should uh, win. How many th- synthetic neurons are there in synapse? There's a million synthetic neurons, and they each have, I think, seem to remember, about 100 connections. I think I should win because I typed the question without a typo, which is probably the first time I typed it in full sentence without one. I'm sorry, did you say there were 100,000 neurons? No, they simulated a million neurons in science. And the average and human I, brain has a, has a 100 billion neurons. Right. Yeah, and how many connections per neuron in the average human brain? I don't know. And then you've got to apply Moore's Law, right? Ooh. Which we'll assume is the 18-month doubling, right? What year does synapse get to the human brain? And, it, and, and, and I will give you an extra book. In fact, I'll give the full set. You can have the hardback, the softback, and the Kindle, and the all delivered to you um, if you can give me the month. Ooh. Because <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did actually put it into an Excel spreadsheet very nerdy one evening with a glass of wine and calculated it to the month. Do we, uh, do we not run into a problem where we're getting to um, entities on this less than an atom, less than physically possible? Um, it does get tough, but about it, you have at least got this inside your skull, right? You do have synapses with this number of connections mm. all wired together in your head. Um, so you, you, but you're right to sort of say, well, are we getting... It may, it may, not, be directly, it may not be directly analogous in silicon, right? Yes, it may not be directly analogous in silicon, but, but let's, assume, let's assume it is, and obviously my book is all about why it isn't, <laughs> but let's assume it is... <laughs> Right. Where are we get, getting to? Because if you look at the AI debate at the moment, people are getting very worried about AI debate, uh, AI at the moment. So if you do the calculation, do I walk into my office and, and IBM Synapse uh, kind of laptop is sitting on my desk doing my job? If, if it's just a straight Moore's Law job. We're not flooded with answers in IRC, I can tell you that. If anybody, the if anybody is wants to see... decide to calculate it properly. Oh. <laughs> well, even a guess. <laughs> that requires two hours of wine yeah. and a bit of uh, research on Google right to see approach. how many, the average number of synapses per human 2031, 2032, Oh, you, you could do that. That's called a hot reading. You count up until I look. Yeah, you use right. uh, one of the communications things. You count up until I go, oh, God, he's got it. Great answers. Go, ah, I'm going to just uh, do an Excel. I'm going to do it in, in Excel as well, except I'm just going to type in 2015 and then drag the column down to about, you know, 30 these and, and just p- paste that in and flood the channel. 2525. <laughs> I have determined that my own synaptic power is better deployed in ordering the book just now. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we have one answer. That's um, one in. Which is wrong. 2067. Andy said February 2067. <laughs> Is, Was it high or low? Well, it's in the right century. It's, ah. it's a, that's, a good, that's a good guess. I mean, certainly um, that would be within the range. Uh, if put in all the various different uh, numbers you can get out of Google, um, that would be in the range. I have to admit, Obviously, it really was a guesstimate, a complete guesstimate. <laughs> See, I, I, I actually sat down and got all of the different uh, estimates from all the different studies that have been done over quite some time and averaged them. Do you have but, a recollection, uh, as a test for you, do you have a, relection, a recollection of the type of wine that you were drinking at the time? Um, it was nice. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I did it. Oh, well, actually, I, I, I'm quite sure I can tell us. Uh, well, it wasn't right. Gone, Randy's guessing, but he's gone the wrong way. Yeah. There's a clue. Still going the wrong way, Randy. 
So we've got 
<laughs> Wait a minute. If you can't add two simple numbers, if you can't add two simple numbers, I don't know how you're fourteen. <laughs> the rural telling is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we're it's 2015. So if you can't add, you know, some uh, under a hundred number to that, I think we're in trouble already. Yes, yeah, 2038. Yeah. Too early. 2037 20, and a half is what I. Yeah. Is what I'm so, but the worrying thing, right? So we we've had a few people there calculate, and we've got some people getting it. Yeah, we're looking just over a generation before AI. I mean, I I I'll, I'll maybe I'll publish my calculation. And you can. Um, <laughs> but uh, the bizarre thing for me, I did it once when I started writing the book, and I did it once after I finished writing the book, and I've forgotten the first version I did, and it can year. I did one with when the synapse thing came out, and I did one right at the beginning of writing the book, just based on um, straight numbers. I thought that's that's odd that they're the, both the same, four and a half years apart doing the calculation. So it's it, you know it, it's somewhere past how old I get to. Kids uh, are going to be faced with uh, AIs that that are you know as computationally powerful as our brain. Right, weak AI. Since nobody okay. knows how to define strong AI. <laughs> you know. Here's and, and and so the question is if if that's their compute capability then separate curve that actually will represent their actual capability, um, the ability to do things. Yeah, that's, so there's a software problem. So how, how quickly will software... I always think of it as more of a hardware problem because one of the things about the actual neocortex is that you have a three-dimensional representation of interconnect, whereas on silicon you have essentially a two-dimensional interconnect. And so, uh, you know, so you do not, so you essentially have, you have a bus speed limitation problem because you have, yes. effect, you have effectively De near infinite uh, degrees of freedom in, in the, in the, th in the three-dimensional, you know, neural representation of, 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 or, you know, so that's, that's, that's my problem. That's my problem with these calculations is because. Yeah, in, but, Intel, but remember, I mean, uh, uh -huh. Intel uh, is three-dimensional versions of our processors for, for laptops. In about uh, 2020, they already, I mean, they announced that they'd built one with the next, you know, was going into the third dimension. And memory, by 2020, they'll be able to do that. Very interesting, but it doesn't Mem solve memory, arch memory architectures are already there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's heat. In other words, How do you get one neuron in my brain will be constructed in a mechanical fashion differently than it would be if I had undertaken a different course of action. Uh, At least that's what the research seems to show. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely agree, right? Experience is very important. I do think our brains are, are, are different, but I'm at the fundamental computer science level, right? Which is right. ignoring the fact that there are some engineering problems like two dimensions and so on. Is a brain, in principle, something that is differently constructed, i.e. able to solve non-computational problems, than a computer, by definition, only able to solve computational problems? So I'm, I'm really, un unfortunately... If you want to read the book, um, I'm definitely in the theoretical mathematics area. No, sure. in principle, is this, are we different to computers? I don't want to know that it's right. practically hard to build because we know what happens with things that are actually hard to build. Everyone says it's damn near impossible. Next week, a startup in Silicon Valley you know, demonstrates it at, at CES. Well, and that's, that's sort of the classic problem that, that uh, Kurtzweil described early on is that we ran nonlinear things very well. And so it's, it's, it's impossible, it's impossible, it's impossible, and five years later, it's done. Yes. Uh, because we just don't understand how the curve is accelerating. On. Yeah, so that's the singularity hypothesis, which is that, you know, 
computers are getting fast so quickly that in another 20 years, the, the, the slope of their uh, improved great that, you know, wait five minutes and they've evolved to a point where they can do it. So you right. can almost think of them yeah. having infinite power. But, but, but what and about... I, this is effect, this is affectation of the church Turing thesis, right? Yeah. What about <laughs> James Bodie's uh, IRC? Thank you, James. You're right. I get it. Uh, what about the what about the rant, the nature the human nature thing? Um, and I'm not saying that that uh, robotic brains or whatever are AI needs to be you know needs to have the creative because you can kind of imitate creativity. You can kind of imitate their algorithmic ways to create things like music. It's been demonstrated, but what about this random, you know, meat-related thing that we have in us, this visceral thing that takes us, uh, you know, like you're in the middle of some kind of weird calculus and some lovely uh, creature walks in front of you and you're distracted and you go, well, wait a minute, this is, I see what my problem is now. Um, that's not going to happen and I can't see that happening. It isn't random enough. It's, it's almost random, but not quite. The distractionary principle, so... I don't know. I, I think Me one of the important AI discussion is is exactly what is exactly what we're talking about. I think I think that what most people are thinking about, the problems they're thinking about, are largely the neocortical functions of the brain that are uh, thought to be uh, mechanisms associated with the neocortex. Less so systems like uh, anything that's part of the limbic system. So the point is that I think that what we'll find out is that neocortical functions will be uh, nicely represented. Um, by uh, by by you know large scale like synapses, especially when they scale, but I think that the but that no one even knows how to formulate the question, and so I think I think weak AI is 100% reality, um, and is increasingly going to be so, and there will be strong societal implications as a result of that reality. Strong AI is a different intel someone can define in any sense what it even means. I think it's kind of a, a it becomes a much less interesting question than weak AI. And to add, add one more, I think that, um, you know, computers are going to kill us long before they're intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, I mean, in other words, in other words, like, you know, is, is a virus alive or is a virus not alive? Who gives a shit? They're going to they kill people because they're machines that are programmed to, you know, in, in various. And so computers don't have to become sentient before they, before they cause, you know, great harm. Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, for me, there's a, a strong definite. There's a AI, right? So strong AI can create things that are non-computable. So it can solve Fermat's last theorem, solve the uh, full color, um, do Poincaré uh, um, conjecture, and so on. It can actually find a solution to something that uh, a, an algorithm could not have found, and that's uh, a long-standing. You're, you're drawing a distinction between strong AI and say, and so, and 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 for example. You know, um, singularity. Is that absolutely right? okay. correct? Okay. I'm I'm putting a hard line between the two, and okay. you know, randomness. So so Turing wrote three famous papers or two papers that are famous, the one in the middle. It's not so he did the um, you know mind machine, the, the the one that's got the imitation game in, which obviously we watched the movie. And he did the original one, which is the uh, proving the Einstein could not be solved, which is the one that says there are non-computable things, right? And then the middle one was the oracle function. So the problem is, if you throw a random number generator into a system, you say, well, isn't creativity just randomness? You say, well, no. Randomness gives you an oracle for a random number function. We know from Turing that all that is a random number function. It doesn't, you know, if I give a mathematician a random number function, like a lava lamp or something, or you know, 
and then say that's going to help you solve full color conjecture, you know, the full coloring problem. It doesn't. It just allows you to generate some random numbers to play roulette on online app or something. You know? But a computer can't even generate. I mean, computers right now, as they're currently defined, are deterministic. So a computer can't yes. create a random number. All they can do is create a pseudo-random number that sees things that are non-computational. Absolutely correct. Yeah. But there's but there's some interesting stuff going on in in the in the quantum world where and and actually with some of this uh, stuff that's looking at using um uh, using kind of genetic uh, modeling so 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 DNA like structures where you effectively crystallize out the answer um, you know but all of those things are still an algorithm simulating so a quantum computer is no more powerful than a regular than uh, it it doesn't need as much space to do certain calculations. Right, so it gets the if if it needs to branch, it can kind of put the branch in a parallel, and so it can be more computationally powerful without collapsing space time. But it it can't. Um, you can simulate it on a Turing machine. You can see on a Turing machine. So right, you know, and therefore it's Turing limited, it's and like therefore the state, you know state, uh, it's. Is it, is it what, I'm trying to about like the like the stateful mind problem or the state something about like a. Like uh, you know, essentially you can create you can cre you can create question of whether you can create a mind in in any medium, right? Whether it's if you could somehow do it mechanically, right? Like with with gears and belts, if you were <laughs> able to overcome problems, right? That's fundamentally no different than a system that's created with silicon or a system that's created with meat, as Randy said. You know, so um, but I think fundamentally, you know, I, what I find most interesting about that question is is the concept that underpins the question. You know, just just grasping the necessary concepts behind that question actually enlightening. You know what's dangerous? Matthew Hodgson just uh, joined us. And he's going to tell us about federating all the robot overlords, I think. <laughs> yes, I'll probably uh, leave theoretical physics and computation. No, no, on the contrary. For a while this is a... And, and hear about, about this is, something else. This is, our, uh, this is our VUC Mature Audiences Only section. How we ended up in, uh, on this track, it's like going back to university. My <laughs> physics days are coming back, and I'm, I'm sure I can compete on the emperors that seems to be going on here. All right. That's a, that's something I had never considered before. The idea that that quantum computation was necessarily determined was not. Yeah. Is that I don't. Yeah, is, that, is that a fact? It's is no that, more powerful. Is that a theory? Yeah. They're yeah. certainly more powerful, but are they necessarily deterministic? I mean, is that, is that a theorem? Is that a theory or what's that? I believe it's a proven fact. Okay. Uh -huh. That's interesting. I, the, you know, I, I for the layman about all the theory. Just a quick question to you, uh, James Tag, which is. Um, can with you know almost infinite computer so we're talking infinite number of monkeys infinite number of typewriters basically could anything be done i mean to me that the whole question of true ai uh, comes down and personally i maybe it's a human conceit but i don't see that happening i don't see the bb king uh, of no matter how much computing you have you're not going to create an albert king who can play three notes the same three notes in a hundred songs and make them sound different and and have a, a real value to it. So I don't know if that's yeah, a kind of thing well, or what. But well, it intuitively feels the case. And so the question is, what does the math say? So so when Turing did that that third famous paper that that. Mm -hmm. What he said was uh, he looked at some work that had been done by Cantor, and there is more than one infinity. So the problem is, if you go through all of the programs that you could ever write, the countable infinity, if you look at all the permutations of the way you could understand knowledge in our universe, 
that's the next infinity up, which is called a continuum. So it was saying, if you take an inf even if you had infinitely powerful computing, right, it's not the right infinity. You're in the your case through the wrong infinity. You need to be in the next one up. So you can just never solve every problem. Right. And I guess that's is that really equivalent to is sort of like the number line version of that. Exactly. So the continuum is the real number two. space. And so you've got countable numbers in the continuum. And ju just as you have countable numbers in the continuum, you have counter programs. And then you have the, all the ways that you could permute, permute computer programs to be a solution to something. And unfortunately, if you count through all the computer programs, you will never count all the possible you ways you can permute them to, to answer a question. Beer. <laughs> We're way past that. But, you know, but here's the thing that I think is interesting is that people look at systems like a lot of the a lot of the AI systems like Watson and and uh, you know self-driving cars and these things that appear intelligent. And I think it's very easy to 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 be victim of another human uh, a bias like like uh, like 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 Randy was alluding to. You know, you look at Watson and Watson seems smart, but what you when you consider that what Watson is doing is rolling up actual intelligence. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's a, a you know a, a very 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 good um, you know amalgamation of of human knowledge uh, with a fancy front end. You know, it, but um, it's but it, it, I guess my my point. Anybody who is thinking about any of these problems, that's a very obvious point. But I think what's not what's What's uh, what's maybe what's perhaps slightly less intuitive or obvious is the is the place where human bias intersects with that reality and people will project onto it more than what is actually there. You know? The other problems, uh, Carl, is that who cares? I mean, as far as and I do. I mean, but in, in the uh, the neutral sense of things, you know, what difference does it make whether it's human or not? Artificial intelligence, if it can go through all the combinations and get to something that's valid and uh, useful. Then maybe it doesn't matter right. that it can't play the blues riffs with the right bass. That's just that's just one example right. of so many things. So I mean, you know, fishing is another example. Sure, you could write down all the theory and codify all of it for fishing, but there's variables there are. I still don't think that a machine would be yeah. as good a fisherman as a person who's really a good fisherman. Uh, can we say that now? Well, the, the interesting question that, then is that really some things that a computer could be programmed to do that they do better than us. Oh, right? absolutely. They do spreadsheets better than us. Yeah. Um, the question is, which things are we intrinsically better than there? Vice versa, do we do we have a role to play? And and what I'm arguing is that it's where it's created. So uh, coming up with a new theory, just waking up in the morning and deciding, world, all these things that are free will and creativity are things that we can do that machines can't do. Exactly. Right. So this is uh, we were talking about this briefly. We recorded. Uh, I just want to mention there's a film that I heard about on uh, Steve Gibson's podcast uh, called. Automata, is that right, Michael? And some of you, if you're interested in this topic, it's kind of an interesting... I'm not saying it's the greatest movie in the world. It's far from that. But it's an interesting movie, uh, thought-provoking. Uh, James Tagg, I don't know that. Automata with with Antonio Banderas. I haven't heard of that one. Or I've... It's one of those robots take over the world things. But, uh, you know, a couple of uh, things in it. And it's interesting art direction. The writing's a little uneven, but I want to mention that to people who are listening to this, who have gotten this far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
know what, what I think what I think is happening IMDb. a lot in this discussion I think is that it, I think this is analogous to you know um, a day in the age before we had x-ray <laughs> age before we even had the ability to kind of cut open the body and look inside yeah we're looking at the skin and we're trying yeah. to make we're trying to make projections when it's like we can make projections you know you know three decimal places but yeah. we're trying to carry it out to 500 you know there's just there's just not enough understanding of what the uh, what the fundamentals are to even make the question do you know what i mean in some sense i, I mean the concepts behind the questions are extremely interesting but i think the answers are not particularly interesting well thank you so we've all been wasting our time no i i agree that's a very interesting thing we need to find a place to stop this we can continue privately but we need to stop the recording simply because that's the way it is We're massively over time yeah you know this satellite time costs so much money uh you know it's just that it gets to be long download and all that so anybody have any final questions that they want to make before we uh do that otherwise we'll roll the music thank our sponsors we can continue this uh, as long as anybody wants to on ZipDX and uh, okay I don't hear any objections if any man has any reason to object how do they what do they say at the end of the wedding well, one, of, one of the, the things that oh, uh, I was going to ask him to do, but he dis- disappeared, was to to name the, the or, or restate the dates for the various TAD events. I think the best way to do that is to go to Tag Hack, Tag T E H A, like as in James Tag, but with only one G. Tad Hack. Yeah. No, did I say Tag Hack? Wow. Yeah. Tad Hack. T A D A C K dot com. Okay. With that, thanks everybody. Uh, we'll continue this, but it'll be the mature audiences only version, which means after the music, you won't hear it. Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to .com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband Fulfris Bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern, DU next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.